As we've been discussing this afternoon, a long-term care home in Hamilton has had its license revoked. Roslyn Retirement Residence was the site of Hamilton's deadliest COVID outbreak. Andrea Horvath is the leader of the official opposition in the province. Of course, she also represents the city of Hamilton, and she joins us now here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Ms. Horvath, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Okay, you released a statement pointing to extreme neglect and suffering at Roslyn. Can you share with us just exactly what you've learned about this facility? Well, I mean, we've heard horror stories, uh, everything from a complete lack of cleanliness with, uh, with mouse droppings in food service areas to uh, bed bug infestations that, uh, that never actually resolve. We've seen pictures in our local newspaper, the Hamilton Spectator, of, of the forearms of, uh, of uh, folks that lived at the Roslyn uh, that are literally full of welts from bed bug bites. Um, you know, just uh, not having a secure place for people who uh, have uh, dementia and, and literally folks wandering off into traffic. Uh, Roslyn's on a very busy street in Hamilton. Um, so, I mean, there, there are a number of uh, just horrifying situations that uh, have been, talk, uh, been talked about by family members of residents. And then, of course, the entire residence had to be completely evacuated. Um, and, and one person was actually left behind overnight by themselves in the home. So, I mean, it has been a total nightmare, Jeff. I mean, it's been a total, total nightmare. And um, we've also, of course, heard that uh, people who work, professionals who worked in the, in the Roslyn, were told to falsify uh, patient records or, or resident records and to, uh, uh, to undertake uh, activities um, that are contrary to what their licenses require in terms of the provision of, of care. And so all of these things are totally frightening. Um, and, you know, at, for me, chalking it down to just simply bad management or, uh, uh, you know, a, a lack of, uh, of proper training it, it isn't good enough. And so I've actually I've uh, not only called for the license to be revoked, which it was, uh, but uh, also to have uh, I've asked our police chief to uh, have, have his folks look at whether or not this warrant warrants further police investigation. Would you support a criminal investigation then and the possibility of criminal charges? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, these, these kinds of things just cannot be tolerated. And, and you know, the, the message has to be sent out loudly and clearly. I mean, this particular um, family that uh, is engaged in the operating of this home and several others in Hamilton have quite the checkered past in our city when it comes to uh, long-term care and residential uh, uh, seniors' care. And, and, and it's not pretty. I mean, they, they literally went bankrupt a couple of years back. Uh, some of the accusations against them were similar uh, by whistleblowers then uh, around the quality of care in their long-term care homes. And, uh, and they've, uh, they had to close those homes, and now they're doing these retirement residences, which are a little bit different than long-term care, but apparently providing lodgings for folks who needed to actually be in long-term care uh, because they weren't, uh, uh, they weren't in any uh, shape to be in a, in a retirement residence where it's much more independent living. All right. Since we're talking about the owners, there's been a lot of discussion, as you well know, over the last few months around private or for-profit long-term care homes. Does the public sector need to take over, do you think, long-term care moving forward? Well, it's certainly something we're calling on the government to uh, to do. Um, look, it's, it's become really clear that the um, severity of outbreaks is greater in the privately uh, private um, for-profit run homes. Uh, they have about a four times greater rate of deaths 
due to COVID-19 in the for-profit homes uh, versus uh, the municipally run homes, for example, and twice the rate of the not-for-profit providers. Uh, so it, it, to, to me, this is about making sure our seniors have what they need in their, in their biggest time of need, in their, you know, in their golden years, if you will, but those years begin to dwindle and, and folks need much more support and much more help and they become much more vulnerable um, and, and, uh, and, and to not acknowledge that and not you know, acknowledge that this is a similar situation to folks when they're in hospital, uh, that they, they need to you know, have all of the protections of the Canada Health Act, for example, all of the public resources that go into these facilities, um, you know, they, they need to be um, spent on the actual care, the provision of care, the staffing, all of those things, as opposed to you know, padding the pockets of, uh, of private owners, of for-profit owners, or, or return on investment for shareholders. Joined on the line by Andrea Horvath. Let me ask you about government's role, since we are talking about private versus a public when it comes to long-term care, because our understanding is that it was an independent body that actually revoked the license of Roslyn retirement residents in Hamilton and not the government. So do you believe that there's enough being done by government to protect our seniors in long-term care? Well, I have real concerns about these um, arms-length authorities that are created by government. So the Retirement Homes Regulatory Authority uh, is its arms-length from government, but it's created by government, uh, where, where this function uh, may have been done previously internally um, by the government. It's now farmed out. Uh, to this authority that has legislation that um, that it operates under, that has uh, uh, you know regulations and requirements, but it's it's very apparent that there's something going horribly wrong uh, with that authority. And so the other question is not only the operations of the homes for a for-profit purpose, uh, but also the extent to which this um, this arm's length uh, regulatory body uh, is actually doing its job, and whether we need to look at how. Uh, we regulate and uh, and inspect and follow up uh, with uh, with homes that are you know housing our most vulnerable uh, residents and seniors. Yeah, how do we get there and get there quickly? Because I think that's a big concern of everybody who's watched what's happened over the last few months, in particular when it comes to long-term care homes and the pandemic and COVID. And certainly families have dealt with this uh, for years when it comes to their loved ones going into long-term care. And I think that there is a real appetite for action and action now. Yeah, no, you're right, Jeff. And, and you know, I think it's that's the time for us to acknowledge and thank the Canadian Armed Forces for their role in blowing the lid off of this. Um, you know, it's not like complaints have not been, um, you know, significant over the years and, and stories that have been horrifying on the front pages of newspapers and, and newscasts for a very long time. Uh, but the, the Armed Forces report was kind of cathartic, I think, for Ontarians. But finally, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to deal with this. And so this is why we're saying that the government's plan to do a kind of behind-closed-doors commission uh, in terms of their investigation into long-term care is not good enough. It needs to be a judicial public inquiry. However, that, that inquiry has to have um, a, you know, a find-and-fix mandate. In other words, we don't wait for three years or two years um, you know, for the inquiry to wrap up. We identify as we go along, uh, similar to what happened with SARS actually, identify what's going wrong uh, as, we're, as we're doing the investigations uh, and put in place the solutions as we go. Uh, we, we're calling it find-and-fix. It's certainly something that's doable, but what it 
it will do is give everybody in Ontario a, a sense of, uh, of um, trust around uh, the nonpartisan, non-biased nature of such a review. When, when the government uh, is appointing commissioners uh, to look at this situation, and those commissioners get to decide, based on their consultation with the government, who they're going to call as witnesses. And those witnesses come to testify behind closed doors, not open to the media, not open to the opposition, uh, and not open to any scrutiny whatsoever. That falls far, far short uh, of what Ontarians deserve and what all those people, you know, almost 1,800 now, uh, tragically, who lost their lives in long-term care, they deserve so much better uh, than that kind of uh, whitewash process. It has to be transparent. It has to be judicially uh, run so that people can have faith and confidence in it. All right, just finally, before I let you go, the Premier in his daily press conference just last hour, he was asked today about masks, face masks, and making them mandatory. Now, the government, they pointed to physical distancing as the best alternative, but does your party have an official stance on this? Uh, What's your take? Should masks be more than just recommended in the province right now? Well, I mean, we've been, we've been trying to, um, you know, stay on top of what the chief medical officer and other medical officers of health have been recommending. You know, the experts really should be the ones uh, that we listen to. But what's shocking for me is that we don't know which experts uh, the premier's consulting with. I mean, he has a, a command table that is totally under wraps. Nobody knows who's at the command table, so nobody knows the mix of voices and uh, and advice that the, that the premier is getting at that command table. Again, a completely lack of completely a lack of transparency there, uh, and it, w- it would give us a better, I think, sense of um, uh, of security knowing exactly who it is that the premier's you know getting advice from. Uh, at this point, though, uh, what I would say is that if, if it truly is you know the best advice of the chief medical officer and the other medical officers of health, that the best way forward is the distancing, uh, and then only if you can't distance the masks, uh, then, then, then that's great. But let's, let's give people that, that confidence by knowing exactly uh, where, the, where the Premier is getting his advice, like who it is that's, uh, that's in his ear. Andrea Horvath, Leader of the Opposition. Appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much. My pleasure, Jeff. Take care. Bye-bye. Be well.